I just want you to go along with me, and I can't hardly collect myself from all that great music and the happy birthdays, but I'm composed again, and so I think I should just go on. Today, we're going to take a close look at Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Colossians chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, and I'm probably not supposed to say this, but I have reserved a few messages, this message, for this congregation only, not for, not for those on the internet or so on, but for this congregation, if you would like one, I have them, and you can get them after church. So here we go, taking a close look. Say close look. That's what we need to do. We need to take a close look. After contemplating and reflecting on today's message, I am hoping that you and I can say your word have I treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm going to repeat that. and That's number one. After contemplating and reflecting today's message, I'm hoping that you and I can say your word. This is what David said, but it applies to you and me. I have treasure in my heart that I might not sin against you. Number two. Or, as the King James says, and you can notice I'm trying to go slow today, and if I happen to speed up, I need somebody to say, slow down. Thy word, King James, Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid. Notice the word treasure in the first hid in this one in my heart that I might not sin against you. I have a note here in my mind. And I don't want you to think I'm picking on you because I'm not because this applies to me too. Let me say it again. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you, O Lord. I want you to get this, and I, I don't want you to think I'm picking on you because this applies to me too. I know I said that already. The reason why so many of us Christians, that's right, I'm talking to Christians. The reason why so many of us Christians can go out and say anything and do anything and act any way it's because we don't have the Word of God in our heart. Can I get an amen? We need, and I'm going to use a modern term, we need to step up to the plate. Stop dilly-dallying about God's Word and place it where it begins, not only in our head, but in our heart. And notice treasure. It's a treasure. A hidden treasure that you can go into. In the Bible, someone reminded me last week the unsearchable. The unsearchable 
riches of Christ. I just wrote this out this morning because I wasn't satisfied with something that I saw. If God's word is carved in our hearts, notice that word hearts again, we will be able or more able to resist the assaults of Satan. Did you get that? And I'm expecting a lot of amens this morning. Can I get an amen? I'm going to say this again. If God's word is carved in our hearts, we will be more able to resist the assaults of Satan. Amen, sister. This is what the Word of God says in Colossians chapter 3, 16 and 17. And don't turn the page because I wrote these out this morning. Let the Word of Christ notice. Not the Word of God, but Jesus is God the Son. But I just want to clarify that. Let the Word of Christ dwell. And that word dwell means be at home. That's what it means. It's the word oika added on to a preposition, and I'm not going, I'm not trying to get technical. I'm just telling you it's the word oika, which means home. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your, here it is again, in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do, do in the grace of God. I missed something here. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. I'm going to say this again. One of the defects of Christianity, one of my defects, is giving thanks. You woke up this morning, didn't you say amen? You walked this morning, perhaps you ate breakfast this morning. We need to be constantly giving thanks. Number three, shall we begin? I thought about this this morning, and I know this is out of place, but I'm going to say it anyhow. Say, shall we begin? If you are a Christian, you're on a mission. And you should have begun by now. Whether you just got born again, whether you just got saved, they mean the same thing. Shall we begin? And the question or the answer to that is, I'm ready, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Send me. That's what we ought to be saying. Here I am, Lord Jesus. Send me. Can you say that? Or, and I'm not picking on anybody again, are you still living like the world? The Bible says, we are not our own. You are bought with a price. The precious blood, not just any blood, the precious. And that word could be translated costly. The precious blood of the Lamb of God. Masters, I'm on number three. 
Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us all well. Now, I didn't read that right. Praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak for the mystery of Christ for which I have also been in prison. In case you forget, and I know I said my notes, Paul was in prison. Well, Brother Bruce, what was he in prison for? Preaching the gospel. Number four, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace. I have a lot to say about that later on. As though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how, to, how you should respond to each person. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, I'm going to reflect on him later. Our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord will bring you information. Number five, Colossians 8, 9. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. I'm going to say this, and it's not in your notes. It's not in those back notes. Everybody who's a Christian... Don't we need encouragement? Right. Encouragement in prayer. Encouragement to say, keep it up, brother or sister in Christ. Keep doing what you're doing. And with Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother who is one of your number, they will inform you about the whole situation here. What whole situation? He was in prison. Colossians 4, 10, and 11. Aristarchus. I have that on the next page also. My fellow prisoner sends you his greetings and also Barnabas, cousin Mark, about whom you receive instruction. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, he is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision. What do you mean by that? They were Jewish proselytes who came to know Jesus Christ from the preaching of Paul. And they have proved to be, that's that word, an encouragement to me. Back to verse 1, number 7. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. It is the duty of masters to use the authority that they have over their servants, modestly and in a holy manner, seeking that they, in another respect, have a common master who is in heaven, who will judge both the servant and the free, either of freedom or bondage. Now, I'm not going to get into the pros and cons of Slavery, which was in his day. But I want you to listen to the next thing, and I know I said this last week. The philosophers of Greece taught, and the laws of Rome, where Paul was a prisoner, assumed that the slave was a chattel, or 
property, just common property. You're my property. But a chattel had no rights. It would be ridiculous to talk of treating a chattel with justice. St. Paul places the relationships or the relation of the master and the slave in a wholly different light. Justice and equity are the expression of the divine mind. Who's the divine mind? God. Jesus. And Jesus. And with God, there is no respect of person. With him, the claims of a slave are as real as the claims of the master. Now, more reflexes on verse 1. Masters... Grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. My question is, just who is this master? Who is he? Somebody said it, Jesus. Here it is, number 10. So as the name that belongs to Jesus, that's what some translations say, every knee. You got that? Every knee is going to bow. Of those in heaven, that's the angels. And on earth, that's you and me. And under the earth, that's demons. And every tongue, I hope you get it, will confess or shall confess that Jesus is Lord. Can I get an amen? He's Lord. I mentioned the Tetragrammaton last week or two weeks again. Y-H-W-H. What's that mean, Pastor Bruce? That's four letters. Y-H-W-H. Jesus is Yahweh. That's who he is. That's the highest form of Lord. Jesus is Lord or Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. Let me stop right now. Either you're going to accept Jesus Christ now and he's going to be your Lord or you're going to be... I don't know how else to say it. Sooner or later, you're going to bow to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Thank you, brother. Christian masters and their children, number 11. Christian husbands and their wives. Christian parents and their children. These and all other Christians who sustain whatever relationship with all other Christians should conduct themselves on the basis of the fact that the equal opportunity employer. Who's that? For God so loved the world. He gave the son of his love. Who is he? He's Lord, he's Master, he's the Alpha, he's the Omega, he's the first among 10,000. All Christians, whatever their status is, their society are equal members of the body of Christ. Did you know that? Well, I'm only a dishwasher for the Lord. You're part of the body of Christ. Well, I'm only the toes of the Lord. You're a member of the body of Christ. We're all on the same level as part of the body of Christ. 
You draw 50,000 people. You're still a member of the body of Christ. I don't care how much you think you're important. Every member of the body of Christ is important. And the reason why it's called a body is because the body functions together. Your fingers, your eyes, your toes, whatever it is, it functions. God is going to deal with out every Christian a just recompense for his or her treatment, whether it's good or bad. Let me ask you. How are you treating, if you're a husband, how are you treating your wife? Children, how are you responding to your loving affection of your mother and father? Can I get an amen? Number 13. Therefore, can you say judgment? judgment? Here it is. This is a serious matter. It is not to be taken lightly, the judgment seat of Christ. Therefore, we also have our ambition. Let me stop again. How much ambition do you have for the word of God? Is it something you can just put aside till next Saturday or uh, next weekend? May it never be. Somebody said it. May it never be. Therefore, we also have our ambition, whether we are at home or absent, to be pleasant for him. What do you mean by that? Home or absent. The context is, Paul was saying, whether I go to be with Christ, or whether I stay here on my ministry. For we must all, let me get that straight, we must all, say all. There's no escape. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed. Don't you know that God wants to, Jesus Christ wants to give you a reward? He's not asking you to do things that he's not going to reward you for. He wants to give you a reward. So that each one may be recompensed, some say recompensed, for his deeds in the body. We're talking about saved people. And I got a note for those who maybe who are unsaved too, so hold on. According to what he has done, whether good or bad. I want an amen behind this. Christians do bad things. Can I get an amen? Amen. But the other half is Christians do good things. I am so glad that I have a supporting cast behind me. Because I can't do it on my own. And neither can any of us. I'm talking about in this church and out of this church. I have help. And some are sitting right here today and I want you to know I appreciate it. Number 14. 
Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Continue in prayer. Prayer ought to be regular, habitual. The Christian should every day have a season of prayer. Number 15. Well, at least I had to slow down today. King James and NASB. Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. I'm going to say it again. The more you thank the Lord, the more you, ha- you don't have to moan and groan about. One of the worst things a Christian can do is always be moaning and complaining. Can I get an amen? We ought to be giving thanks. NASB, devote yourselves to prayer, same verse, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Continue to give a constant attention to a thing, to give unremitting care to a thing. That's what what the word constant means. I'm sorry, that's what the word continue means. Here is a comparison. I'm on page 16. Continue in prayer, King James, to give unremitting care to a thing. Devote yourselves to prayer, to be in constant readiness. Watch in the same with thanksgiving. And the other version, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Let me ask you, how's your prayer life? Off and on. I want to pray sometimes. I don't want to pray. I don't feel like praying. Seventeen. Prayer at the same time for us all that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak for the mystery of Christ for which I also have been in prison. Paul, I want you to get this now. Paul was closely guarded in prison. I didn't say that right. Paul was closely guarded prisoner of the Roman Empire, handcuffed to a Roman soldier 24 hours a day. For what? Preaching the word. But you can bet your bottom dollar, since he was handcuffed to a prisoner, I bet you that prisoner had a word. Can I get an amen? He preached the gospel to the prisoners, or prisoner in this case. Number 18. I know, and I know it for myself. I'll, I'll give you my comment after this. Long continuance in prayer is prone to produce listlessness. What do you mean by that? Apathy. I've been praying all the time. I'm so tired. So the additional charge that the heart must be awake if prayer is to have value. Sometimes, and I hope you can identify with this, I fall asleep at prayer. Can I get an amen? On my, on my knees, my mind is drifting to something else. I say, Lord, forgive me. Can I get an amen? amen. Keeping alert. That's what I need to do. That's what you need to do. Keeping alert and with an attitude of thanksgiving. 
I sure am emphasizing Thanksgiving a lot. I don't know who for, for myself at least. Number 19. Now he was telling them a parable to show that at all times they ought to pray and not lose heart. Don't lose heart. In the recent two weeks, and I dare not name anybody, in the recent two weeks I've been constantly praying for people, specific prayers. And I'm going to say this. And the Lord brought it to pass. He answered my prayer according to his design. Can I get a witness? Keep on praying for those who you know are lost or Christians who are immature, Christians who are not living like a Christian. Keep on praying. God will bring it to pass. You can't bring it to pass. I'm not saying you shouldn't say something to them, but only prayer and God's timing will bring it to pass. He's a loving God. And the Psalms, I forget which one it is, has the idea that when you pray, God goes like this with his ear. That's what it means in human terms. He actually bends his ear to listen to your prayer. Can I get a witness? He's anxious to hear from you. Your prayers are not fruitless. You're talking to the God of the universe. Ephesians 6.18, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. Say in the spirit. Did you notice that that word spirit is capitalized? I know it's not capitalized in the Greek. But according to the context, it means the Holy Spirit. Well, Brother Bruce, I thought you had to speak in tongues. No, I don't. Brother Bruce, I thought you had to say a rhythmic prayer, an elegant prayer. No, I don't. Just pray as God the Holy Spirit leads you. And where is he at, Brother Bruce? I'm not just saying this for myself. I'm saying for every Christian. He's on the inside. Hopefully dwelling. And that word dwelling means has he found a home? Or is he, I'm, I'm going to make up a word, be seated. He's in another place. He's not in control. You're in control. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Say saints. In case you are misled, every born-again Christian, no matter what state they're in, is a saint. There's no special class. I told you I was going to talk about Paul's sufferings. Number 20. Note the spirit of this prayer. Not a thought of his ease. He's in prison 24-7, chained to a guard. Note the spirit of this prayer. Not a thought of his ease, comfort, or even safety. 
but only that he may be given full opportunity to preach Christ. What are you preaching? Christian, well, if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, God's going to accept me. That's not the gospel. The gospel is the death, the burial, the resurrection, and assumption of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's what he paid for. Isaiah says, oh, this is not in your notes, all your sins were laid upon the eternal Son of God. He was bruised, I got to get into this later, for our nicotine. Let me say it right, I'm getting excited again. He was bruised for our iniquities. He was chastised for our punishment. That's what Isaiah says. I'll take Isaiah's word for it. And I know I'm out of order, but I'll say that. He was beaten beyond recognition. Swollen face. Just one thing. From the nails in his hands and nails in his head. It wasn't a pretty sight at all. And why did he do it? Out of his love for you and me. Right. Let's get back to prayer. How's your and my prayer life coming? Only you can answer that. Number 21. Colossians 4.3. 3, praying at the same time for us as well that God will open up to us a door. I'm going to say one thing. This is quite practical. If you ask God for opportunities to hand out a gospel track or speak to someone, don't you think God will do it? Can I get an amen? I'm going to say this again in case you don't get it. Thank you. Praying at the same time for us all that God will open up to us a door of opportunity. I know I use opportunity. That's, not, that's in the King James. For the word. God, what do you want me to do? Here's one of the things you can ask. God, open up a door, an opportunity for me to speak to someone to give them the word of God. That's what you can do. So that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. I'm getting ready to get into that. For which I have been in prison. Number 22. What is meant by the term mystery of Christ? I got three aspects of it. You can take them all in, I hope. Here's from the People's New Testament commentary. The mystery of Christ is the gospel of Christ. That's what it is. It's the gospel. It was a mystery, a hidden truth until it was revealed. 23. First Corinthians 4, 1 Corinthians 4.1, Ephesians 6.19. Let a man regard us in this manner as servants, there's that word servants, could be translated as slaves of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Ephesians 
and pray on my behalf. Well, Paul, you don't need any prayer. You're, you're, you're a super Christian. <laughs> Let me add to that. Yeah, right. I don't care how echelon you are up on the ladder. We all need prayer. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth. It's about time that you and I open our mouths. Don't be silent about who Jesus is. But before you open your mouth about Jesus, you got to know who Jesus is. To make known with boldness. Ask God to give you some boldness. It's not easy. People are very, very evil. Can I get a witness? They don't always want to hear it. They might say, I don't want to hear it. That's okay. Do it with boldness. To make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. 24. The mystery of Christ continued, praying at the same time for us well, that God would open up, I know that, open up to us. I must have repeated this. I'm sorry. The mystery here is that spoken of in Ephesians 3.6, to effect that the Gentiles, well, I had it right and didn't know it. The mystery here is that spoken of in Ephesians 3.6, to the effect that the Gentiles and to be one body with the Jew in the mystical body of Christ. I want you to know something right now. I'm going to try to make this clear. That the Jews and the Gentiles would be joined in Christ was a mystery in the Old Testament and was revealed in the New. Jew and Gentile. I know I got this in big letters, so I hope you realize it. To be specific, that the Gentiles are to be fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. 26. Here's another commentator, and I like this. That is, the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generation, but has been manifested to his saints, to whom God will to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ. Well, Brother Bruce, you're always talking about Christ. I hope I never stop talking about him. I could talk about athletes and so on. What stops me from talking about Jesus? Which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. I'm not talking about just me. Christ in you, the body of Christ. He lives there. He wants to have first place. He wants to be able to say, 
brother, sister, I want you to talk to this person. I want you to give food to this person. I want you to give a ride to another person. I want you to do whatever he tells you to do. Christ in you, the hope of glory, 27. Now for reflections on verse 4, that I may make it clear. The worst thing that I can do is get up here and give you a lot of rhetoric. Not even know what I'm talking about. But I want to make it clear. Here's why I want to make it clear. Wonderful as Paul's preaching was to his hearers, and seems to us, he was never satisfied. What preacher can be? Are you satisfied? What do you mean by that, Brother Bruce? Uh, take it or leave it. That's a tragedy. Can I get an amen? I'm going to read that again. Because on the next page, I have something to say about the wonderful person. Wonderful as Paul's preaching was to his hearers and seems to us, he was never satisfied. McKnight, that I may make this great secret known to all by declaring it plainly, earnestly. And boldly, even as it becomes me to speak, who am the apostle of the Gentiles. 28. Well, who is this wonderful person? Isaiah 9, 6. For a child will be born to us. A son given. Did you get that? Pastor Jack also, and others often talk about this, but especially Pastor Jack, a child will be born. That's Jesus Christ. But a son will be given. He was already a son before he was a child. Can I, can I get an amen? He was born in a manger. But he's... The great I am. And the government and the government will rest on his shoulders. I'm going to say this. It rested on his shoulders. And I'm going to add this to it. Jesus said, can you say the word shoulders? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me and you shall find rest for your souls on the shoulders. Take my yoke. The wonder, the reason why some of us worry so much and complain so much, one of the reasons we haven't taken up the yoke and notice the next part. I know I didn't repeat Matthew 11, 28 correctly, but that's the gist of some of it. Taking his yoke upon and learning from him. I'm going to say this again. Who is he? Somebody said it. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given, and the government will rest on his shoulders in his name 
will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Revelation 1, 17 and 18. When I saw him, which is Jesus, I fell at his feet like a dead man. And he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. Listen to what he said. I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, so you know that's Jesus. And behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. What's death? Physical death could be. Spiritual death. And Hades is a place. The Lord Jesus Christ has the keys of death. Why do you say that? Because the Bible says it. Oh, death, where's your sting? Can I get an amen? Death to a Christian is just a passing over from this life to the next. Conduct yourself, verse 5. Conduct yourself with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Walk carefully and wisely and carry yourselves inoffensively towards those that are not of the church. I'm going to, I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know if I'm talking to anybody. Please don't disgrace the Lord in front of outsiders. Can I get an Amen. If you're a Christian, and I'm including myself, don't disgrace the Lord Jesus. Well, if he's a Christian, I might as well just keep living like I am. And take all advantages and opportunities for doing good. Verse 6, let your speech always be with grace. And I, I really want to dwell on this. As though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. With grace. And I'm going to read that over again. Not the whole thing. Let your speech be reason. Oh, come on. Let your, thank you. Let your speech always be with grace. That word with grace, as you see on the screen, is actually in grace. What do you mean by that? Our speech ought to be, the bottom line ought to be grace. Let's make that more clear. The Greek is in grace as its element. Contrast those of the world who therefore speak of the world. Even the smallest leaf of the believer should be full of the sap of the Holy Spirit. And I got that first in my note, in your note too. His or her conversation should be cheerful without levity, serious without gloom, compare and so on. I have it here. Did you get that? Number 31. With grace is actually in grace. As its element, that means the very core of what comes out of your mouth and mind should be in grace. <clears throat> Colossians. Let the word of Christ richly dwell 
within you. I know I said it before. With all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart. Did you notice where it's from? Your heart. To God. Unwholesome words. Ephesians 4.29. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. What does that mean? Building up according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. I'm going to say this right now, so you don't think I'm faking I know I have discouraged some people. By the way, I have to. Can I get an amen? And if I may be honest, so have you. But as I said, we need to step up to the plate. Here's Jeremiah 17, 7 and 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Notice the word Lord is capitalized. That means the God of the universe, Yahweh. And whose trust is in the Lord. For he will be like a tree planted by the water that extends its roots by a stream. And he will not fear when the heat comes. I'm going to tell you something. Sooner or later, you're going to have something that puts you to the test. But its leaves will be green, and it will not be anxious in a year of drought, nor cease to yield fruit. What do you do in times of trouble, brothers and sisters in Christ? What do you do? Well, I'm not doing anything else for the Lord because he discouraged me. He, he doesn't answer my prayers. Keep on keeping on. Do what God you know is right. As to my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bondservant in the Lord, will bring you information. Information about what? About how he's doing in prison. How would you like to be chained? How would I like to be chained to a Roman guard 24-7? I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I can take it unless the Lord gave me strength. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances. Notice the word our. Paul was not imprisoned by himself. And that he may encourage your hearts. And with Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is, who is one of your number. They will inform you about the whole situation here. 35. Tychicus. Who is he? Tychicus was well known. I know I didn't say what's on the screen. Tychicus will, well knew the apostle's zeal and perseverance in preaching the gospel. Did you get that? When Paul preached the gospel, he did it with fervor. He was on fire for Jesus Christ. 
when he met the Lord on the Damascus Road, that changed his whole entire demeanor. What have you done since you met Jesus? I could say this, are you on fire for him? Tychicus well knew the apostles' zeal and perseverance. It takes perseverance to run this Christian life. This is not a once-day thing. It's a lot-of-day things. In preaching the gospel, his sufferings on that account, his success in converting both Jews and Gentiles. I said it before, Jews, Gentiles, the mystery of Christ, one body. And the converts, say converts. No, I'm not going to say something ridiculous because it wouldn't be correct. Have you ever talked to anyone about Jesus, and here's what's ridiculous, and led them to the Lord? You didn't lead them. The Holy Spirit led them. He just used you as an instrument. You didn't convert. We didn't convert anybody. But praise God for the privilege that's right. It's a privilege. And the converts which were made in Caesar's house. Caesar's house is jails. He could give these to the Colossians in ample detail. I know all about Paul. I know his zeal. I know everything he's doing. I know where he's at now. Thirty-six. I'm nearing my end. Who is Onesimus? This man, as a slave, seems to have fled to Rome on some account, as appears from Paul's letter to Philemon, where it appears he was converted under Paul's preaching. He was a slave. He was converted under Paul's preaching. He came to know Christ. 37. It is a great comfort under the troubles and difficulties of life to have fellow Christians caring for us. I'm going to say it again. It is a great comfort under the troubles and difficulties of life to have fellow Christians caring for us. Circumstances of life make no difference in spiritual relation among sincere Christians. They partake of the same privileges and are entitled to the same regards. What amazing changes divine grace makes. Faithless servants like Onesimus become faithful and beloved brethren, and some who had done wrong become fellow workers of the good. Since you came to Christ, brothers and sisters, again, I'm not picking on anybody because I'm including myself. And I'm not trying to insult anyone. And some who have done wrong become faithful workers of good. What good have we done since we became Christians? What good have you done? And I'm thankful to answer that question. Many in this room 
have done some very excellent things, and I certainly appreciate them, and others appreciate you. Can I get an amen? I want to say this, and this is not out of place. I got, we have people rallying around us. I have people who are going out after this service is over to help us minister to others. And secretly, because they're not home or they're not there, secretly to talk, to pray for them for the ministry of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? What are you doing? It doesn't always have to be obvious. Some people in this room are helping me out. I put food on their, I don't want you to think I'm bragging, I'm just giving an example. I put food on the on their porch, they go out and deliver it to others. And I don't even know who they gave it to, but you know what, I get a thank you. Can I get an amen? And others of you are doing things I don't even know about. And I thank you. <laughs> 40. Verse 11. And also Jesus, who was called Justice. Well, I thought Jesus was the only Jesus in the Bible. No, you have an example and also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are the only fellow workers for the kingdom of God. Say the kingdom of God. Here I go again. Nicodemus, you're looking for the kingdom, but unless you've been born again, you're not going to see that kingdom. I'm going to say this for those who think heaven and earth are separated forever. I know I said it last week, so forgive me. Heaven and earth are going to be the kingdom of God and are going to be closely related. Can I get an amen? Nicodemus, Brother Bruce, Brother whosoever you are, you must be born again. Why must you be born again? Here's what Isaiah says. We were born in sin and shapen in iniquity. No, that's not what Isaiah said. That's what the psalmist said. And after service, if I didn't get it right, I got a brother who would correct me. Can I get an amen? Psalm 51. You said it, Psalm 51. Give him a hand, come on. He's up on it. And others of you are up on it. And I thank you. And they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Paul needed encouragement. He was a strong Christian, but he needed encouragement. When's the last time you took time to pray with someone or on the spot, just right on the spot. Brother, sister, I need you to pray for me. Well, I'll pray for you when I have time. Why don't you do it right then? 
if it's possible. Companions of Paul in the Gospel message, 41. That is only Aristarchus. I had to look that up. Hard to pronounce. Marcus and Jesus, Justice, who were formerly Jews or proselytes. What do you mean by proselytes? They were Jews. They were of the circumcision. You know what that means. And assisted the apostle in preaching the gospel. I'm going to say this again. You and I and others need other Christians to help us preach the word. I know sometimes it's not possible, but as much as you can, get somebody with you. They were others who did preach Christianity, but they did it from, there were others, did you know that? The gospel revealed there were other people who were preaching Christianity, but they did, did it out of spite. They were trying to make it more difficult for Paul. Almost done. Once again, Matthew Henry is concise. It's a great comfort. And I know I just read this. I just cut it short. It is a great comfort under the troubles and difficulties of life to have fellow Christians caring for us. Circumstances of life may make no difference in the spiritual relationship among sincere Christians. Say sincere. I say this with hesitation. Christians, are you sincere? Am I sincere? Or are we putting on a front? As soon as we get out of this building, we're a different person. Can I get an amen? I'm going to say it again. We are all, that includes all Christians, are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and he knows what's in your heart. And you won't be able to say or make an excuse. And I'm going to say this again in case you think I'm picking on you. All means all. No exceptions. 43. Fellow workers. Say fellow workers. You see those three names? Joseph. I don't know if there's a Joseph here. Robert. Jessica. What's your name? Could you put your name in there? Could you? And on the other side, what's your ministry? What have you been doing since you're a Christian? That's why I told you this. You can get a copy of this. Not for the outside, but for this church. You can get a copy of this, and I hope you'll take a copy. I'm going to say those three names again. Joseph, Robert, Jessica. What's your name? Could I put you on this side and put your ministry on the other? If you don't know what your ministry is, you can ask Jesus. Last page. 44. What's the starting point of becoming a fellow worker? Here it is. Brother Bruce, you're always talking about grace. For by grace 
You have been saved. I was talking to someone at the laundromat yesterday. No, that's not true. Talking to someone at the laundromat on Friday, and he finally got it. He got it. You have been saved. You continue to be saved by God's grace. You don't get saved and then keep the law and start trying to stay saved. You're saved totally by God's grace. For by grace, you have been saved. And that not of yourselves. It's a gift. I'm going to ask you a pointed question. Can you earn a gift? Say no. Come on, say no. You can't earn a gift. If you can earn it, it's not a gift. Right. Not as a result of works, there it is, so that no one or no one may boast. Well, I'm a Christian because I'm such a good person. Baloney. You're a Christian because God saved you. And he saved you by his wonderful grace. For we are his workmanship. There it is. Polima. Say it again, Pastor. Polima. Polima. Well, po it means poetry. God wants to make every born-again Christian a poet to the world. How you doing? How am I doing? Creating in Christ Jesus poor good works which God prepared before. Don't you know, Christian, that God has something prepared for you to do? I'm going to use this word and then I'm done. Apathy. You don't do anything. Shame on us. So that we would walk in them. Say walk. How's your walk? How's your talk? How's your conduct? How's your mouth? How's your heart? How's your mode of being? Life is tough. I'm not saying that. I know it's tough. I'll end with this. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I need strength. You need strength. Where does it come from? I can do all things through him. That's what some translations said. But in context of him is Christ. Won't you ask the Lord to help you? Let's give the Lord a hand. That's all I got.